the Blue Gold Report. Irish reporters Todd Burlidge and Mason Plummer get ready for Notre Dame football game day Saturdays only on 1380 The Fan. Welcome to another edition of the Blue Gold Report. You can hear it here on Fox Sports AM 1380 The Fan and or 100.9 FM there in Fort Wayne, Indiana. You can also search for the Blue Gold Report, your Notre Dame podcast, on all your favorite podcast providers. I'm Todd Burlidge. I'll be one of your co-hosts here. I'm a contributing writer for Blue and Gold Illustrated. I do some other freelance work. I'll be joined by Mason Plummer here in a little bit. He also works for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. He's the recruiting guru of this team. Obviously, a lot to get to. Notre Dame records its first win over a number one team in 27 years and 11 tries. A 47-40 double overtime epic win over Clemson. BC up next. Is that a trap game because of what happened against Clemson? And with BC, you get a reunion of sorts with former Irish quarterback Phil Jakovic. And Mason's going to cap off the show with some recruiting news and just what a big win like Clemson does to the recruiting momentum for a program. I keep talking about him. Let's bring him in here. Mason Plummer, introduce yourself, man. What's going on, everybody? My name is Mason Plummer. You can find me on Twitter at MasonPlummer underscore. Todd, man, I am was counting down the days to do this show. What a game. What a win. Super excited to break it down with you. Just some late game heroics from some players. You really couldn't have drawn up a better script for it. We'll talk about all that here in a little bit, but as we start every show... Gold Rush. A little bad news here. Former Heisman Trophy winner Paul Hornig, quarterback, running back, defensive back, did a little bit of everything for the Irish. Won the Heisman in 57. He died Friday. He was 84 years old. He became the first pick in the draft in 57 and had a great career with the Green Bay Packers. What's interesting is Hornig won his Heisman Trophy coming off a season that Notre Dame finished only 2-8. and eight. Notre Dame and Clemson was the most watched Notre Dame game on NBC in over 15 years, peaking at just over 14.2 million viewers at the very top of the game. Scary scene after the game when the Notre Dame students and everybody that was in attendance essentially stormed the field during this COVID cloud right now. There's concerns that perhaps that might trigger an outbreak within the team. So far, so good. We won't know anything officially until the depth chart comes out on Saturday, but Brian Kelly indicated this week through two rounds of testing that his entire travel roster remained intact. Speaking of the Clemson game, Kyron Williams, Notre Dame running back, scored his first career three-touchdown game against the toughest opponent of his career by far in the Clemson Tigers. There's a big future in store for him at Notre Dame, as only three others have done that since 2014 when Clemson really took off. Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, and Todd Gurley were among the three best running backs in the NFL. Speaking of individual players and honors, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, he lit it up with his big game against Clemson. He finished that night with nine total tackles, two tackles for loss, one half of a sack, a forced fumble, and of course the fumble recovery. He returned 23 yards for a touchdown. He won the Bronco Nagurski National Defensive Player of the Week, the Chuck Bednarik National Player of the Week, and the ACC Linebacker of the Week. After its domination on the offensive line against Clemson, Notre Dame continues to hold its number one spot in Pro Football Focus's offensive line rankings, still amassed four points ahead of number two Virginia Tech who is at a measly 88.2. This Notre Dame offensive line might go down as one of the best we've ever seen. Gold Rush. Glad you brought up the offensive line because they did a great job again in the Clemson game. I think what stood out to me, the stat that really told the story for me was third down conversions. Notre Dame, which has done a great job all season defensively, held a solid Clemson team to 4 of 15 on third downs. Meanwhile, the Irish went 10 of 19 on their side of the football. 
and that speaks to that offensive line. As we move into the Boston College game, Notre Dame ranks number 7 in third down defense and number 11 in third down offense. I just wanted to start there, Mason, because I think that was in large part the story of the game. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you really wanted to see Notre Dame enforce their will on Clemson, and they totally did that. You know, I mentioned the Kyron Williams stat earlier, but he's not going to be able to do that without the Notre Dame offensive line really dominating. And he, he had massive holes all game, and it was just up to him to outrun everybody else, and we know he can do that. It speaks to how well the Notre Dame offense played when Kyron Williams finishes with 23 carries, 140 yards rushing, and three TDs, and the game ball goes to Ian Book. Clemson tied the game at 23-23 and eventually actually took a lead with only 118 left in the game, and Book orchestrated an eight-play, 91-yard touchdown drive that was capped by a four-yard pass to Avery Davis that tied things. Book a lot of poise. He's been maligned about his inability to win big games and perhaps didn't show up for the big moment. Boy, he proved those critics wrong in this one. You know, the, the Ian Book haters are normally out in flocks, and they're always, they always have something to say. They were awfully quiet over this past week. A little bit more on Book. He finished 22 of 39 passing, 310 yards with one TD, no interceptions. Dabo Sweeney, the Clemson coach, talked afterwards about the 67 rushing yards that Book added. Many of those on third and longs that he was able to pick up a first down during clutch and critical times. With all that as a backdrop, here's Brian Kelly talking exactly what he thought was most impressive about the win. For me, uh, just watching our team handle themselves in the fourth quarter, handling themselves when there was adversity uh, was, uh, as a coach, that's you know, those are the special moments. Uh, yeah, we won the football game, and I'm certainly uh, excited about that. But more so, when you watch your your players exhibit resolve and exhibit uh, grit and uh, refuse to lose a football game against the number one team in the country that, by the way, hadn't lost in 36 regular season games. And that's, that's the special part about... Um, Coaching these guys at Notre Dame, you you have um, the man under the jersey that's um, uh, pretty special. As a coach, you know you commit your vocation to this because you love seeing you know your players overcome what um, amounts to be sometimes um, uh, difficult uh, odds, and uh, that was. Uh, that was fun to watch those guys. You know, in all of this, Mason is really pretty remarkable, especially be it the third down conversions that Clemson failed to make or not being able to get the job done. You know, Travis Etienne, their wonderful running back, Notre Dame held him to 28 yards on 18 carries. That is remarkable. Now, Etienne down, DJ Wiengalele, the freshman quarterback for Clemson, he lit Notre Dame up 29 for 44 passing for 439 yards. That's actually a record, Mason. No quarterback has ever thrown for more yards than he did on this particular game. The previous record was Carson Palmer from USC. He had 425 yards, but big numbers don't matter. Only one does, right, Mason? That's the final score. I think Notre Dame came in with the game plan to shut down Etienne and really let Wiengalele beat them and obviously they didn't intend to let him throw for nearly 500 yards and a record <laughs> but at the same time it, it looks I mean it looks great now looking back on the win if Notre Dame hadn't pulled that one out you're saying how do you let a freshman do that to you uh, the, really the game plan was to shut down the nation's best running back probably the best running back we've seen in three or four years in Travis Etienne they did that like you said less than two yards a carry which is unreal from the Notre Dame front seven 
and then just let Uangalele try to beat you. Uh, he didn't quite do enough. He did just about all he could, right. but uh, it, it wasn't quite enough. Well, it certainly looks like Clemson is going to be in good hands when Trevor Lawrence leaves as their starting quarterback this year. Speaking of which, obviously Clemson played shorthanded. No Trevor Lawrence at quarterback, missing some key defensive players as well. Mason, I couldn't help but wonder, we talked about it a little bit last week, now that Notre Dame has this win, do they have any chance, if they would lose that ACC championship game to Clemson, and of getting in the playoffs anyways, I still don't think they do. I think they do. Even in a normal year, I think they still have a shot just because of all the things going around in college football, but especially because of how Corona's impacting college football at the moment. Ohio State's getting games canceled left and right. They're comfortably a top-four team in the country, but I don't know if they're going to have a full slate. So I think that Notre Dame could potentially have one of those spots filled, Mm -hmm. and then I think they still have a great chance against Clemson as well. Um, you put you slap those uh, numbers that Uangalele put up and just give them to Trevor Lawrence, and you still get a Notre Dame win. Clemson's a better team with Lawrence, but at the same time, I don't think Uangalele was the reason that Clemson lost. It was a lot of the the defensive struggles and. Uh, Travis Etienne not having a great game. Yeah, you make a good point. When when a quarterback throws for 439 yards, what more was Trevor Lawrence going to do? So that breaks a streak. 11 straight losses to top five teams coming into this game. You have to go all the way back to 1993 to find the last one. That was the game of the century when Notre Dame, number two Notre Dame, bumped off number one Florida State. We're going to reference that game a little bit more here shortly. By the numbers. Nine. The win over Clemson gives Notre Dame nine all-time wins over number one AP teams. It ties Miami, Florida for number two on that list. Alabama has beaten ten number ones. 571. That's the number of former Irish players who spent time on an active NFL roster. That's after adding eight more this year so far. It's the most of any school. All right, Mason, moving on to Boston College. BC is 5-3, and 4-3 and three in conference. This game is obviously at Chestnut Hill, road game for the Irish. BC is 3-1 and one at home. It's a 3.30 start, ABC television. Notre Dame is minus 11.5 with a total of 50 points. It's supposed to be a pleasant day, sunny and 53 degrees. Jeff Halfley, he's in his first year as coach there, doing a solid job. BC has beaten Duke. Pitt in overtime, Georgia Tech and Syracuse. Ironically, BC's most memorable game this year came against Clemson in what was ultimately a defeat. On the arm of Phil Jakovic, they were able to build a 28-10 lead at Clemson. Uh, but the Clemson Tigers claw back in the second half and won that game 34-28. The mismatch in this in this particular contest, BC rates only 111th out of 123 teams in rushing. 106.9 yards per game. Meanwhile, Notre Dame is number four in the country in rush defense, allowing only 85.1 yards per game. So I think that's the top storyline. This is an interesting series in that BC, in between 2001 and 2008, won six straight, beat the Irish six straight times. ND has now flipped the switch in this, has seven straight wins since that. BK is 6-0 all-time against BC, including 3-0 at Chestnut Hill. For most Notre Dame fans, the BC memory that stands out the most, we referenced that Florida State game, game of the century, when number two Notre Dame beat number one Florida State to go to number one in the country. Season finale against Boston College. Notre Dame wins. They're playing for a national title. BC comes to South Bend 
and bumps off the Irish in that particular game on a last-second field goal. It was 41-39. to Probably the most heartbreaking loss in Irish history. Certainly would be a top five, considering they were set to play for a national title. So when you sort of look at the setting, Notre Dame coming off a win over number one, playing B.C., a lot of folks are asking if this is a trap game, Mason. I don't feel it because trap games typically sneak up on you. When everybody's saying it's a trap game, it usually isn't a trap game. I do think this can be a trap game if Notre Dame allows it to be. Brian Kelly and the coaching staff need to, you know, you let you let the guys celebrate after being the number one team in the country, right? But maybe for the next 24 hours or so. But right after that, a switch has to be flipped. Boston College is coming in here to beat you. They want that win on their resume. They want to knock off number two, Notre Dame. And who doesn't at this point? Every team gives Notre Dame its best shot. And BC's definitely going to give Notre Dame its best shot. Um, BC's tired of being known as, uh, I follow a lot of (laughs) Notre Dame students and fans on Twitter, you'll back up college. Fans love saying that kind of stuff. And and BC's tired of that. So uh, with a former Notre Dame guy, at quarterback for them. I think it's going to be a really interesting game. I think Phil Dracovic's a hell of a quarterback, too. Uh, BC's a good team. It, this can be a trap game if Notre Dame allows it to be, if they don't come out with the same energy that they had against Clemson. Uh, I think you got to put away a team like this early on and just demoralize them to the point where you can just go and win comfortably. I think Notre Dame being a veteran team, and Brian Kelly has really stayed on task and kept these guys focused on one game at a time. I know it sounds cliche because it probably is. But it pertains to this team, this Irish team, very much. I think these veterans will really keep this group grounded because there are bigger fish to fry still. Okay, we've been talking about him, Phil Jakovic. little reunion of sorts in Boston. Jakovic obviously was here from 2018 and 19, backing up Ian Book. Then when Ian Book said, I'm coming back for a fifth year in 2020, PJ said, I am out of here, not going to do it. When he came to Notre Dame, he was a four-star, according to rivals, he was a four-star player the number five dual-threat quarterback in the country, and the highest-rated quarterback Brian Kelly's ever brought to Notre Dame. It's kind of too bad we never had a shot to see him, but at the same time, Ian Book is the right guy for this time, this season. But Phil's lighting it up as the first-year starter at Boston College. Through eight games, he has 2,083 passing yards, which leads the ACC. He has 15 touchdowns and four picks. I talked about just what a great high school recruit he was. When he was at Pine Richland High School near Pittsburgh, he compiled 6.5 miles of offense that included 114 touchdowns, and he did all that in only 34 games. Mason, do you remember just what a great player this kid was in high school? I do, and I remember the hysteria uh, you know, following him signing with Notre Dame, and he's going to be the chosen one, he's this, that, and the other, and it just didn't work out for him at Notre Dame. Um, it's too bad. I really like him as a kid. I like him as a prospect, too. I, I'm glad to see him succeeding at Boston College. Obviously, you wish him all the best, even when he's not a Notre Dame player. Um, Ian Book's the man for the Notre Dame job. Uh, that is, that's not anything to slight on Phil Dracovic in any means. Um, he's a great player in his own right, but he just wasn't it wasn't the right place at the right time, unfortunately, for him. Um, like you said, he, he's doing really well at Boston College, and you'd love to see him continue to succeed. Uh, he didn't really play at Notre Dame hardly at all. So I think he's got like another two or three years of eligibility, especially after this 2020 weird right. year. So uh, you'll, hopefully you'll see him continue to succeed, maybe be an NFL guy one day. Yeah, I think he can be. He has all the tools. Great big kid, 6'5", 226. Athletic is all get out, too. Uh, just I, I don't blame him. And actually, here's Phil talking about sort of the reasons and everything that went down that drove him away from Notre Dame. Notre Dame, it was my dream school growing up. There's a lot of great things about Notre Dame. Uh, 
the school, just how much they win, the, the culture of it, the, the players. There's a lot of good, uh, good people there. There really is. But um, for me, I was – football was really changing for me. I was, I was debating about switching positions because I, I don't think I could have done another year um, just sitting the bench. I had to go play somewhere. Uh, I was really, really down. I was, uh, I was basically on the brink of uh, not playing quarterback – and so at that point, I was, I was just uh, talking to my family. They're like, you have to go somewhere to play. One of the things that sticks out to me about Phil is that he was the first recruit, the first Notre Dame recruit to commit in the 2018 class. And he did it all the way back in May of 2016. So he was a recruit for a long time, a commit for a long time. Now, keep in mind, Mason... May of 2016 is only a few months before Notre Dame started that miserable 4-8 and eight season. So many times you see when a program struggles, takes a step back like that. That was when Brian Van Gorder was the defensive coordinator. You lose a lot of players. Jakovic was very active behind the scenes to hold this recruiting class together. And he did a wonderful job in such. That class, even after a four and eight season, still was ranked by rivals as the number eleven in the country. I think Notre Dame, even though the the fan base may be a little bit bitter that he's not here anymore, really should show him a little bit of appreciation for helping to keep this title run together in sort of his own distant kind of way. Traditionally, you'll see the quarterback be the first guy that signs and really is the glue of the class, and Phil was definitely that. Uh, I had almost kind of forgotten that he signed that early right. as a 2016 guy or a 2018 guy to signing in 2016. Uh, wild to think about that he he was essentially a part of Notre Dame for four or five years, never really got his chance to see the field. But like you said, I think it's the best choice for both parties that he moved on. Wish him all the best. And he's doing a great job, as we already mentioned at BC. Certainly uh, among the top five in just about every passing category in the conference. Brian Kelly was asked this week to describe what he sees with Phil on film now versus what he saw from him in person when he was at Notre Dame this time last year. Phil's in a different type of offense than the one we were asking him to be part of last year. So it's hard. We're, we're not comparing it. Remember, in, in, in high school, he was in a, a, a spread offense, truly a spread offense, catch and throw. Um, he was in an RPO offense last year. He is in a play action, six-man, seven-man protection offense uh, this year. Uh, so it's really hard to compare you know, where he is compared to where he was last year because they are so dissimilar uh, from, from an offensive perspective. You know, what he's doing this year on film is he's making plays um, outside the realm of the offense, which he was very accustomed to doing uh, in high school and, and when he was here as well. Um, you know, outside the pocket, he's, he's a great scrambler. Um, you know, he can throw on the run. Uh, he's got a strong arm, uh, great size, and, and uh, he's a tough kid. Really nothing but respect from anybody. Phil celebrated his friendships, his ongoing friendships with some of his old teammates. Brian Kelly had nothing but good things to say about him. So it was nice to see kind of a reverence on both sides. Okay, Mason, let's go ahead and get to some recruiting. You said you had a few things you wanted to hit on, so take it away. Yeah, I sure do. I've been looking forward to this segment all week long. Um, quick, Just really quickly, um, Todd, you remember I told everybody just a couple weeks ago that Philip Riley was decommitted from Notre Dame and slipping to USC, correct? Mm-hmm. 
the four-star corner, six foot, 190 pounder out of Valrico, Florida. Toddy's back. He's going to be back. It's not announced yet, but he was a Notre Dame commit from May through September, flipped to USC just three days after uh, decommitting from Notre Dame, and it looks like he's going to be back in the fold. Uh, expected to announce this weekend uh, Notre Dame's 2021 class. Just a crazy situation. Uh, hopefully that stays still. Uh, following Riley's recruitment's been wild. <laughs> Another one here. Uh, four-star, six-foot-four, 260-pound defensive tackle Kelvin Gilliam out of Highland Springs, Virginia. Currently committed to Oklahoma since August 22nd. A uh, bit of an odd situation here. I guess every recruiting situation in 2020 is awkward and <laughs> weird, but Notre Dame offered him. He didn't tweet it or announce it in respect to Oklahoma, as Mike Singer, our partner, uh, reported. There's a solid chance, I believe, that Notre Dame flips him. Uh, he's the number 79 player in the nation in the 2021 class, seventh at his position, fourth in the state. He's a big-time talent and adds to an already tremendous Notre Dame 2021 class. I think it could happen. He's He is loyal to Oklahoma, but he's he's not dumb. He's seeing what Notre Dame is doing. As a defensive player, playing for Oklahoma in the Big 12 seems odd to me. Lastly, Kahanu Kia, a three-star, six-foot-two, 205-pound linebacker out of Honolulu, Honolulu, Hawaii. This has been the worst-kept secret that Notre Dame was in on him. He loves Notre Dame. Notre Dame loves its Hawaiian players. Todd, he actually attends the same high school as Manti Teo and Robbie Toma attended uh, back in Hawaii and Punau. Um, I believe Notre Dame lands him within the next week or two, again, adding to an already impressive 2021 class. And it's only going to continue, Todd. I, I think I'm going to need a recruiting segment every week from for here the way on out. Okay, we're getting a little bit close to it here, Mason, but I did want to get your take. Is it too early to answer this question? What does a win over number one Clemson do for Notre Dame's recruiting momentum? Oh, we're already seeing it. Uh, the recruiting momentum has skyrocketed. It's keeping me busier than than ever, really. Um, for for many guys, it's it's confirming what they already knew. They knew Notre Dame was a top a top notch school, uh, an elite school in the country, and not only academically but on the football field. And them getting it done against Clemson only further proves that for them. And for other guys that don't know so much about Notre Dame, it, it's really cementing them as that as that top school for them where they can get an education and beat some of the top teams in the country. Uh, I think we're seeing a resurgence in the Notre Dame program and a re, uh, re-valued importance on recruiting. I want to make a quick, quick flyby here. Notre Dame hoops, the 25-game schedule was finally released after much COVID crunching. Man, it's a toughie. They play nine games before the first of the year at Michigan State, Tennessee, Ohio State, at Kentucky, Duke, Purdue, at Syracuse, and Virginia. Those are eight of them. Mason, we better get to predictions. You start, buddy. I think Notre Dame's not going to struggle to score points in this one. I think Phil Dracovic's going to do a good job, and it won't be enough. I'm going to say Notre Dame 45, BC 21. I think this game might look a little bit similar to what BC did to Clemson, maybe not quite as bad, but I think it is going to be a bit of a tussle, a bit of a dogfight. But BK has won nine of his last ten ACC road games, and those nine wins have come by an average of 30.1 points. Not going to see that kind of margin of victory, but in what could be a trap letdown game, the Irish survived 30-24. to Mason, we got a roll, man. He's Mason Plummer underscore on Twitter. I'm at Todd Burlidge. Folks, enjoy the game this weekend. We'll catch up with you next week. Thanks for listening to this exclusive presentation of 1380 The Fan, the Blue Gold Report. And be sure to download the latest edition of the show wherever you download podcasts or go to 1380thefan.com. 
podcast by Federated Media. Podcast by Federated Media.